0: Hello, good afternoon. Um, I'm Josina Kameling. I'm head of regulatory outreach for CFA Institute in the uh, European, Middle Eastern, African region. And today the podcast will be on the Capital Markets Union in the EU. And with me, I have really, I think, the person who is most qualified to talk about this as he uh, was chairing the previous high-level forum on Capital Markets Union, which was an expert group that built... Um, the whole reflection progress on how to take CMU forward for this present commission. He is, of course, Thomas Wieser. Thomas Wieser has a long experience of what the EU capital markets are all about. He was, um, for over 10 years, um, chairing the European Financial Committee of the EU, uh, really taking a very close look at at the financial markets and how they interacted also with the more economic um, governance issues. Uh, Thomas you're very welcome. Um, let me quickly introduce the topic, because CFA Institute did a global corona survey in March, which was really of course at the start of the corona epidemic. Um, but what was interesting, we we discussed with our charter holders a little bit what the effects of this virus might mean for regulation. Um, and. Then, that in itself was quite surprising because in the majority, our, our members in the EMEA region, uh, specifically more or less in the EU, think that regulators and policymakers should take a proactive role and actually work together with industry on new solutions and design new regulatory frameworks to kickstart the normal market activities and to create a, a good capital market for, for the EU. Um, Members in in the EU uh, area really also think that securities regulators ought to be focusing on educating the public about the risks that are involved at the moment in the epidemic. Um, they 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 are very concerned also that maybe tweaking regulation and and lightening regulation is perhaps not the best way forward because it might create more uncertainty. So. Uh, This is an important point when we see, of course, within the European context, that there are uh, indeed um, measures ahead to lighten and tweak regulation. Um, Again, they are um, also, our members are also concerned to really focus on essential uh, rulemaking and not come out with any rules that are really uh, not not of importance today. So that, for me, was was a good point to situate a little bit the debate where we are in Europe. Um, Because, of course, Europe has really thrown a big package um, throughout the EU recovery package to recover uh, the economic activity. Um, but this is really almost taking the capital markets into a public governance, um, and without central bank support, without uh, government support, um, would there be a collapse? Now, how can we ensure? And with your experience, how can we ensure that we do unlock the private uh, markets and private investments, because these are important to to building um, a good equally balanced capital market. What, what do you think is important to complement public support, Thomas?
1: So, thanks very much, uh, Gisina, for this uh, invitation. And uh, indeed, whilst we were working on uh, these issues, people started asking us, are you sure you want to be working on capital market union in the time of the pandemic? And of course, we discussed this. And we said, more so than ever, because as we start recovering from the economic shock, uh, be it a V, a U, an L, or whatever, once we start recovering uh, from the capital and asset destruction that will uh, be a clear consequence, we will need capital markets more than ever. And this comes on top of the financing requirements coming from the ecological transformation, from the digital transformation, and very conventional uh, policy-oriented people might have said, I didn't hear anybody saying it, might have said, oh, well, just trust fiscal policy, and we will bring out the big bazooka, and everything will be fine. But if you consider what the financing requirements will be, then public budgets would be hopelessly overextended if they tried to do everything. So, we will need capital markets. Uh, our capital markets in Europe, our capital markets in the European Union uh, well prepared in order to do this? Well, unfortunately not. Uh, a still huge amount uh, of lending uh, is done through bank financing. Is done through bank uh, uh, traditional bank finance. A huge amount of citizen savings uh, is sitting uh, in conventional products and losing money uh, as we as we speak. And therefore, in terms of supply, in terms of demand, uh, there is a very clear case to be made of. Uh, for not only a case to be made for capital market financing, but for the dire need uh, in order to ramp uh, this up. If you think uh, of the different sources uh, of where private investments can be financed from, uh, firstly, uh, let's let's say for the sake of argument uh, from the public uh, domain, given where we are with debt to GDP ratios, uh, well, don't keep up your hope. Uh, secondly, uh, from uh, bank lending. If you look at the state of bank balance sheets, uh, it is very unlikely that if you go to your bank, uh, you will be received with open arms. Thirdly, from retained earnings. After the pandemic has hit, uh, it would be nice to have some earnings to be retained, but uh, they will be limited. Uh, to a very few sectors. So again, uh, we come uh, to capital markets as the source uh, of finance for future-oriented uh, uh, companies that hopefully will have well survived uh, the uh, the crisis, but will need to grow uh, in the coming years uh, and uh, decades. So that is uh, how we made uh, the case for bringing a new effort uh, to bringing about a stronger capital market union uh, for Europe, for the European Union, especially uh, with Brexit. it's uh, I think it's moved from the horizon to uh, close, very close to us. And uh, the question, of course, is, will Europe's largest capital market uh, be as available to all of us, not next year, I'm sure it will be, but will it be uh, as uh, efficient and as close uh, to our uh, companies uh, in the year 2025, 2030, uh, or not? I very much hope that it will be, but you can never be quite sure because this is what sovereignty is about, that the UK claims to be uh, regaining. It will be free to have its own rules, and therefore one at least needs to be prepared for such rules to be so divergent that uh, there will be little uh, or at least limited equivalence for economic actors.
0: Uh, Thomas, you you raise very rightly so the economic, the geopolitical context, um, which, uh, as you say, is we're about a month and a half away or two months away uh, from Brexit, and um, the, this, you know, the discussions in in Europe um, really are amongst whether we can we can build a similar system or whether we find our our strength in diversity. Um, you um, you you know very well, and you have seen it in your in your long experience in, in the EU institutions, that um, Europe is, is not one single view. It's a diversity of view. It's diversity of markets. Um, your high level report on CMU came out between the new, uh, just before the new um, CMU 2.0 action plan came out, which came out just now, 24th of September. Um, this, this action plan um, was, uh, had a series of actions, uh, very precise, 16 legislative and non-legislative actions with three key objectives. Um, there are three big focus points where supporting a green digital inclusive economic recovery. Um, making financing more accessible to European companies. And you did mention uh, that very much that moving towards um, the sustainability for European companies, not being so bank dependent was crucial, but making the EU a safer place for individuals to save and invest long-term and integrating national capital markets into a genuine single market. This, of course, this last point is, is, is a complex one. Um, it is a complex because, there, of course, there is supervisory convergence, because actions can be proposed at the EU level, but they need to be taken on board at the national level. And you yourself, in the, in the press launch of your CMU high-level report, you mentioned the fact that if your, if your report was just left at the EU level, uh, but not really taken on board at the national level, would would it really have the weight and the force of, of its resolutions? Um, what, what is your thinking now that you've seen CMU 2.0 come out?
1: Um, I think all, all reports and the CMU action plan of the Commission, they go in the same direction. Uh, some of them are a bit more granular. Some of them are a bit less granular. Uh, the... Uh, uh, some of them give greater weight uh, to supervisory issues uh, than, than others, uh, but they all go in the same direction. Uh, we've had a uh, very good political support over the last five years uh, in politicians paying lip service to the need uh, to bring capital markets union about. But I think it was not often well understood when they paid lip service to that, what the real ramifications and implications were. And I think now they know more. And the problem of course is uh, that there is not one single magic solution which you uh, pull out of thin air, pour into legislation, transform it into national action plans, And lo and behold, you'll have a well-functioning capital market union. It's uh, an array of dozens of different little things, some of them uh, with fairly immediate effects and some of them with effects that may be uh, years and possibly even decades down the road. But I sense uh, a greater willingness of uh, important politicians to uh, actually uh, dirty their hands uh, with the technical details uh, that are necessary and not uh, support Capital Market Union only on Sunday, but also Monday through Friday uh, during uh, during the working week. If you leave it to the technicians, it will get bogged down in, in details because every national uh, legislative technician is, of course, convinced that his or her uh, solution for something is perfect because it's hardwired into their national legislation. So it must be good. Uh, the problem, of course, is uh, that the interests of Luxembourg uh, legislation and French legislation may not coincide. So we need to find something that bridges these differences. And this something more often than not uh, is to make sure that we don't have national gold plating, that we don't have uh, divergences in how EU rules are transformed into national legislation. More directly applicable uh, legislation would already be an immense help uh, for investors who will not any longer have to contend with 27 different interpretations or... uh, ramifications of one single EU directive. So I think this is, uh, this is uh, important uh, to bear in mind. So I am more optimistic, but I would caution against anybody, any politician thinking that if you do the right things in the next two years, in three years' time, you'll have a capital market that is as integrated as the US capital market. They've got 50 years of separation of Glass-Steagall behind them, uh, which had a huge influence on how their capital market uh, is uh, uh, structured uh, and organized. They have, of course, uh, one single uh, uh, central bank, a single uh, supervisor for important parts uh, of markets, uh, and of course, one single legislature, which doesn't mean that you don't have differences uh, at, the, at the state level for certain, for certain products. But uh, if we uh, do the right things, I think we can be much better integrated uh, in five or 10 years time than we are now. The basic question of course is, will we be more integrated uh, for 27 small or medium sized capital markets? Or will the higher degree of integration be for 27 medium sized and large, vibrant, dynamic capital markets? So, integrating 27 weakish uh, uh, capital markets, smallish capital markets, it's not, it's, this, this won't solve many problems. So, getting 27 not so huge national capital markets dynamic, ramped up, uh, more vibrant, more fit for the 21st century, step number one. Step number two, simultaneously, hopefully, getting rid of many of the most important barriers between these markets, strengthening infrastructures, uh, producing a higher degree of convergence of how rules are actually applied, of how standards are set, this taken together, I think, Would make Europe uh, a better place to invest in and a better place to save.
0: Thomas, um, I like your positivism. I'm positive too. I I strongly believe that we have cards to play in the EU. Um, Traditionally, of course, post the economic crisis of 2008-2009, Um, the EU reacted with what we always call a tsunami of regulation, 45 plus uh, measures from that period. And um, I think, um, I can't remember, I think it was the, Um, a a Japanese uh, institute that calculated for the G20, uh, I think there were over 20,000 legislative measures since that financial crisis. That shows that it wasn't the EU alone um, really trying to contain the capital markets and its participants into regulation. Now, with the corona survey of CFA Institute members um, back in March, um, they do say that tweaking lightning regulation is not the way to go. Um, compliance also in firms says that, you know, certainty of rulemaking is important. Um, We've seen the capital markets recovery package come out, which does um, seem to go towards relaxing rules and trying to unwind some of the the measures that were taken, notably in MIFID. Um, Do you think that this is the way forward or or do you think that, there, there should be a more pragmatic way, as, as some, some users have said, wait until you have the full re- re- revision of MIFID, for example. Don't tweak immediately the, the short uh, a short package, which creates uh, uncertainty. What is, what is your view on that?
1: Well, thinking back to 2008 following, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think there was uh, unanimity... Uh, amongst market participants, but also regulators, supervisors and the like, uh, that in the preceding decade, uh, things uh, had not developed in the right uh, way as far as uh, regulation and supervision uh, are concerned. And uh, in in retrospect, I think many uh, of the rules that came into existence in the following years uh, we're operating uh, with a bit of a sledgehammer uh, or a catch-all blanket. And that is why, uh, in our report, uh, we have uh, tried to address a number of issues. One, which is uh, simply shows that uh, uh, the world has moved on, uh, suggests legislative frameworks uh, for uh, issues that are not regis- legislated yet at the European level, and if left to national legislatures, uh, would produce even more divergence. And this is uh, very topical for uh, quite a number of the digital uh, issues, new, f- new legal frameworks. Second, where one was excessively complicated, uh, introduce as much simplification as possible into alia, taking into account uh, the existence of sophisticated investors uh, make a difference there, taking into account the regulatory burden, uh, for example, on SMEs, why uh, do we see no, basically no SMEs uh, going to uh, capital markets or issuing bonds, because it is, the burden is simply excessive. Uh, And also, Uh, take into account unintended consequences of previous uh, legislation, which is also a polite way uh, of saying where the legislature went overboard. And I'm thinking, for example, of securitization. So uh, that is uh, what we've been uh, trying to do, recognizing that in the years after 2010, uh, I think the intentions were good, but maybe more often than not, uh, the sledgehammer was out instead of uh, giving a fine, uh, well calibrated tap uh, to certain uh, rules and regulations. Now, as far as the tweaks are concerned, uh, I, I have heard these voices as well, sort of don't, uh, don't uh, react too, too rapidly. But on the other hand, I've heard lots of people saying, uh, hells bells, we need a quick fix for this, that, or the other. Think, for example, of uh, uh, securitization. Now, if left to me, I would revamp uh, that framework quite significantly. Uh, this will be a political, politically not so easy uh, undertaking. And if I remember back what was changed uh, in the legislative procedure between the EU Council and the European Parliament, uh, it didn't add clarity or simplicity uh, to something that may have initially also have been slightly too complex. So, but we need uh, to do something to help bank balance sheets uh, uh, secure, get get rid uh, of uh, quite a number. Uh, of uh, assets there, performing and non-performing, and that is why we need a quick fix for securitization for the short term. And I don't think uh, that this will be detrimental to an overhaul of the system uh, in, the, in the medium term. And the same uh, goes for the other quick fixes uh, that, we, uh, that we have been seeing. But I don't think uh, that uh, colleagues in the commission have gone overboard uh, in, uh, in in doing so. If this is indeed uh, uh, problematical uh, for compliance people, that I can well imagine, but I think the economic effects one is hoping for uh, can realistically uh, be expected to actually happen. And that would then be a good thing in the dire circumstances we're in right now.
0: Thomas, uh, um, thank you so much. I, I, I really appreciate your pragmatic uh, and your sort of positive approach, um, which I think is necessary. Um, it is enough that we, we, we always look negatively at some of the developments in Europe. Um, the time for construction, Ursula von der Leyen said it in her State of the Union speak, speech at, at the European Parliament back in September. The, the time is to construct um, and to look forward in a positive way and you, you did that with me just now. Um, thank you very much for, for your insight um, and we, I, we look forward to another chat soon. Thank you very much, Thomas Wiese. Thank you.
1: Thanks very much, Jusina. And good day to everybody. Thank you. Thanks for the invitation. Thank you. Bye bye.
0: Bye.